Friends, hello, it's me, Dale Seaver, and you're listening to another Deep Night episode of Dale Radio, and I'm happy to be your companion through the wee hours of regret and revelation, coming to you, as always, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. Now, I promised some stories of my recent travels, and so I thought I'd share just a brief saga with you today. This one happens to be about wind. I was in the mile-high city of Denver, Colorado recently, having some strong coffee and trying to understand what edibles are. It turns out edibles are something to be avoided in my case, as it only led to extreme paranoia and sleep sweats. But you know I love to travel, and I was in the Denver airport, which I'm just going to pause and acknowledge may or may not be cursed. I have a feeling that I, I brought that up while I was there in a kind of joking way, in, and I learned quickly that the spirit world, uh, especially out there with such deep ties to our planet and Mother Earth, Earth are not to be messed with. So uh, I, I honor them, the great spirits, and uh, keep doing the wonderful work that you're doing. And let's just assume that this was all truly weather-related. Now, at the airport, our plane was delayed slightly, which is to be expected when everyone goes in or out of the greatest air travel hub in the world, LaGuardia. But I looked at my Twitter stream, as I do about midday, right, about 3 o'clock. I'll dip into the tweet stream, and I noticed that there was a tornado alert for Virginia. Well, it's well known that Virginia is for lovers and passionate colleagues, but it was also far enough away that I figured we'd be fine flying to New York City. And as we uh, boarded the plane and got going and we're traveling with a number, this is not a plane with a movie situation, so I'm only left with my thoughts. And um, we're we're flying and flying and flying, and I noticed uh, that we're uh, the moon bright and shining in the sky uh just uh, we i we were passing it a number of times and uh you know when you're in a holding pattern you know it's you feel it in the plane there's a, a change in the way the engine sound you're not making forward uh movement anymore your body can feel that and uh, we're circling there above cleveland now uh, i gather people in cleveland are a bit in a, are in a bit of a holding pattern <laughs> themselves down on the ground, you know. I kid. I know so many great uh, listeners of ours are in the Cleveland area, and we salute you, and uh, we hope things improve for you. Anyway, LaGuardia uh, is shut down. JFK shut down uh, because of this wind. There's very strong winds, I guess, connected to that same tornado storm. Uh, and we have to land. We're forced to land. We're no more fuel. Uh, folks from the flight deck, uh, looks like we're going to have to land uh, uh, in Baltimore. We have expended uh, almost all of our mm, reserve fuel. So uh, that's what we do. And we, uh, okay, well, fine. This is the situation. And what does is, what is a, a Seaver do in this situation? We improvise. We make things happen. And so uh, I'm thinking, okay, fine, fine. I'll rent a car. I'll stay put. And then I'll take the train up to New York the next day. Now, sure, Delta rebooks people, but have you ever done that? You put on a shuttle, you have to get up at some ungodly hour, they put you up in a bedbug-ridden place near the airport. No, thank you. So I ordered up an Uber car, had good luck with him up until this moment. Perfectly nice gentleman responded, Mercedes. I like riding in a Mercedes, why not? I get in, and he, he, he starts starts to, to drive. Now, I'm expecting him to, at some point, hit the accelerator, uh, which he never does. So we drive at sort of like airport picking up passenger speed, about 40 miles an hour, onto the freeway. Cars are flashing the lights, honking. We're just cruising. And I'm thinking, well, at some point he's going to realize he's on a freeway and we'll have to accelerate and and we'll get there. Uh, We drive for about 20 minutes this way. And there's a little light rain. He's got the windshield wipers going uh, just to get the whatever residue of the storm was left, a little dusty, he flips on the high beams. 40 miles an hour high beams, cars going around us. Uh, so we drive, 
about 20 minutes, and we hit a police barricade. Now, uh, had he been using electronic GPS, maybe he'd have seen that, but instead he's writing stuff down in a journal with a pencil, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to stress he's a nice fellow. I have no problem with him. But he then turned around to get back on track, and instead of listening to my suggestion, because I have a phone, it's equipped with all the latest GPSs, and I could see exactly where we were. No, he drove all the way back, folks, all the way back to the airport in order to then get back on the ramp. Ignoring all of my, I said, you could turn here. Nope, I want to get back to, friends, even I lose patience sometimes. And if you think that I wasn't serious as we circled back through the customer pickup lanes outside of baggage claim to just jump out of that moving Mercedes and try to find the super shuttle that Delta had commandeered, well, get to know me because I was, I was ready to do it. I really came this close. But then he continued onto the highway. Now, uh, I had made a reservation for the 24th of uh, February. By the time we got there, it was the 25th, so the hotel had given my room away because what it's supposed to take 17 minutes took 45 minutes. They gave the room away. But they had one for the same price, and uh, uh, so upgrade, right? I never turned that down. And uh, it was one of the good things uh, to have happened in that night. There was... The ideal part of it was that there was a giant soaking tub in that new room. And though it was quite, quite late by this time, one, two o'clock in the morning, I filled that tub. I took too many bottles of tequila out of the little fridge, and I had a very nice time of it. (laughs) I really did. And the next day, I got an email with a receipt from Uber for $132. (laughs) Doesn't that make you feel good? Oh, uh, well, we had a nice exchange about that, and uh, did, I was able to get that re- reduced. But um, sometimes it's better just to stay home, isn't it? Today's episode is brought to you by Uber. Some of our drivers are qualified. The rest, mm. Mm. we're not going to look into it. <laughs> oh, boy, the things that we do, right? Well, my goodness. Uh This is terrific. My guest today is Molly Austin. She's a New York comedian and YouTube sensation who, along with her comedy partner, Shamika Martinez, has just landed a show on True TV. And uh, she'll be be doing spots and things on on, uh, something. I was never clear whether she actually landed a show or her work is going to be featured on there. But it doesn't matter. She's hitting the big time. And this is... Uh, a year of Molly Austin. You may have seen her Emoji Jams video uh, online or seen her perform stand-up around town. She co-hosts a monthly comedy showcase, Cat. I believe it's monthly and ongoing. That's at Left Field in Brooklyn, and uh, I believe there's one coming up on March 7th with many familiar friends of the program on the bill. She works with the best. So do we. Uh, I'd like to thank Harvest Works for giving us the room to record, and uh, let's do it. Let's go right to my conversation uh, with comedian Molly Austin. Oh, my gosh, Molly Austin. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good, we got the date right. Yeah. Today, God bless you. You did a little uh, pre-trial. You came over. I sure did. I like to do that though. If I'm nervous about something, I'll come and check it out the day before and scope it out. You know, sometimes I'll spend the night. <laughs> just see what. That's happening. how I felt. I was like, should I just stay here? <laughs> but we got it straightened out. We know that Tuesday's not Wednesday, and God bless you. I hope you were able to run some errands. At- this Abercrombie. Is, I mean, honestly, like you, you show up early for things. I never, I generally don't even know who I'm going to see until I'm walking into the building. <laughs> it's like just who I am. It's a nightmare for like people who work. They're like, who are we meeting with? I'm like, I don't know. I think we'll figure it out when we get there. That keeps it fresh, though, doesn't it? Yeah, people don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, nothing to be nervous about here. I'm glad that we're just jumping into it. And I've done a little bit of research. Not a lot. Okay. I don't like to prepare too, but like you. I don't like to prepare too much. Too just much. Go with it. Lucy go with goosey. my be the wind. Go with the gut. Yeah. And uh but I am excited to converse with you because I have a feeling mm-hmm. that we have a number of things in common. Okay. And uh, I want to test my theory of mind powers. Uh, it was not long ago that I put out a series of haul videos, something you may be familiar with. Yeah. In terms of that. And I don't know if that is when we first crossed paths. If you followed me, I followed you. Some kind of Twitter convergence happened. Uh-huh. And from that, I just got a feeling okay. about it. That I got a little psychic tickle that we'd have something in common. And uh, suddenly, you're everywhere. You were you were probably there before, but all of a sudden I'm tuned in. 
right? And I'm seeing your names pop, pop your name popping up everywhere, and I could tell instantly that you were from somewhere nearby, uh, <laughs> probably the Mid Atlantic region. No discernible accent. I would guess if I had to Northern New Jersey. Correct. Yeah, and uh, uh, you had recently. The other thing that I could just pick up just just from this, <laughs> not from anything. I've since listened to various things and watched a lot of videos, but. Um, uh, there was a uh, a renewed radiance, a new presence to you, something as if you had emerged out of the darkness into the light. And then that's when I say, oh, your name is everywhere, and you got this show. And then I see you got this true TV uh, thing happening. It's all spectacular. Thank you. Is yeah. that a decent read on it? Do you feel like there's now a new Molly that's here that's yeah. more essentially Molly? I would say, yeah. I would say uh, I I think I do. I feel new. I feel like uh, the the sky looks different. I feel very new about everything. I, yeah. I do feel like I woke up um, from a very deep sleep. And uh, it's it's I feel like it's a really exciting time. And the hair is different. I cut it off. <laughs> cut my hair the off. Hair makes such a big, uh, a big difference, doesn't it? Yeah, I had a, a solid hair cape uh, for years and years. <laughs> that was like your look. Oh yeah, I had bangs past my eyebrows and hair. The bangs, the long straight hair. Yeah, to my waist. Yeah. And then uh, I cut it all off. And now it goes wild. It goes free. It just, it's free. It's like Aerosmith. <laughs> It is. Yeah. And we should aspire to have more things be like Aerosmith. But isn't it funny to know somebody just a little bit through social media and be able to pick up on some things like that? Just to know, just to get a hit like that. I always find it's a little bit wild. Um, um, I'm glad sense? that's the way. I'm glad that I'm being seen like that because it's how I feel. And I feel uh, I feel good. And I feel um, like, yes, the, I just feel like the world is, is really a... I feel surrounded by magic. Isn't that is see? And I'm going. We're going to dwell in this a little bit uh, because I think uh, I too am a, a, a pursuer of magic. At least, if I don't dwell entirely in it, I believe there's forces out there. And part of that is due to my upbringing. And I think this is a place of intersection. Is that you grew up in an old house? Yes. And what's your date stone? Uh, 1778. Yeah. See, I was 1803. Okay. For yeah. me, there's something about it, isn't Did it? Did you have a graveyard? Uh, there was not a graveyard, though I assume there were some animals or something buried. But it's interesting you asked that question because my question to you is, did anybody die in the house? Um, I'm not sure. I imagine. I mean, I can't imagine nobody died in that house. But we had a, a graveyard to our house. Um, like a personal graveyard. Yeah, like the family's graveyard. Yeah. So in 1778, the family owned. And you know what's so funny? I can't remember. Their names are gone. And I spent a majority of my childhood hanging out in that graveyard uh, alone, um, just in the woods in a graveyard. Yeah. And uh, nobody liked it <laughs> except for me. Um, but I was, I felt just so connected to the house and to the, to the, I, I believe in ghosts. Like, I believe that the house was haunted. I, I I felt things, I saw things, and I and I really, I you I I believe in energy, and I believe in it. I believe it can stay and it can exist beyond us. Yeah. And I because I experienced it growing up, and um, our our family owned uh, acres at the time because that's how people lived. Yeah. So the graveyard to the house was down the street. There's two families in it, which is interesting. Um, Neighbors? I don't know. I'm not sure. There Two were, strands of the family, maybe. Maybe. And there's uh, there's also uh, a smaller house next door to my parents' house mm -hmm. um, that was the original house of the property. Uh, and then a barn. Um, and our neighbor, Mr. Bates, uh, was like 97 when he passed away. And yeah. my parents purchased that property as well. So they owned both. Um, and they rented out to to generate income from it and to kind of preserve the authenticity of the That's houses. It's impo important, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, so, I mean, it's like a cool... I love going home. I think it's it's just very... It's beautiful. And just it's, like being in a Wyeth painting, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. is. It's really nice. I, yeah. I always enjoy it. We had an oyster man fall out the window. Uh, whether he was pushed or not, I don't know. Oh. But uh, that it was always—I didn't know that growing up. But I was my room was in the same room with the attic. 
Mm. Me too. Oh, yeah. So yeah. You, you get the thumps and the this and the that. And yeah. The, maybe you see some animals come to life as well, I did. there's crawl but... spaces in my house. Yes. Where you're like, this, what could this have possibly been for? A ghost corridor. Yeah. And then there was um, there was talk, I remember, that the house may have been a part of the Underground Railroad because like the floor Isn't comes up. Isn't always the talk? Yes. Yeah, the floor comes <laughs> up. Well, we had like historians uh, yeah. no, come I'm, to the I house. I don't doubt and, it. And the floor comes up in weird ways, and it, it's not documented because I'm sure people weren't like writing it down yeah. that they were doing this stuff. But I mean, it's pretty cool. Like, we took the walls out at one point um, to kind of refurbish the whole thing. We, my parents, did this. And uh, there well, were. Well, you sat in the graveyard. Well, I sat in the graveyard. <laughs> and there were horse troughs on the, on the first level. Huh. So they were bringing the horses into the house uh-huh. in the wintertime. So they were living with their animals, and I thought, I thought that was so cool. Like That's I thought like it was you so... now with this little puppy. <laughs> yes, Charlie. Yeah. yeah, you're getting back to the roots. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that it takes a, it's, it took me a while to understand that the Underground Railroad was not like a subway line. Oh that, yeah. That was the image I had in my head. F- no. For far too long. No, I understand <laughs> what it is now, but. Uh, uh, also, it, it does attract, though, the, the old house. It, and I don't know if your parents were like this, but it attracts a certain uh, type of person mm-hmm. with a creative streak, perhaps, a sense that uh, a, a love of the past, but also you get a little trapped by it and you make it things the way they used to be and the chair rail has to be this and the yeah. and the stucco has to be this and are they rounded windows. or You don't understand what I mean. It's a particular kind of. Yes. Heard they were really involved in the uh, rehabilitation, the restoration of the property. Yes. Yeah, and still are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, old houses are, the maintenance of the houses are, like, I go home sometimes just to help my parents because yeah. you have to switch out the windows. You have oh to. Oh, gosh, yes. There's so much maintenance. Home ownership. Yeah. And especially uh, in an older home. Yeah, and there's, like, a ladder involved, and there's it's a three-story house, and it's. It's uh, unusual. Yeah, it's big. Yeah. Um. The rooms are very small because people were little. Low ceilings. Yeah. Mm. Like, I think if I was going to live in it as as an adult, like, I don't know how I would do it. I date tall men, generally. <laughs> I don't know how I would. You might have to knock out a floor. Yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> or cut out some kind of little pathway for them to walk <laughs> just, around. Just like a tall. <laughs> <laughs> a little head cubby. Yeah. Um, but it's an it's a interesting thing. Do you think it inspired you creatively? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I think it makes you look, I think I spent a lot of time uh, alone because of it, um, or it just fed that part of me. Um, You're an only child? No, I have a younger sister, okay. but we're uh, four years apart, so we didn't really even talk until we were 20. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted nothing to do with her. The, the gulf is too wide. Well, my mother had a very difficult time uh, having children, so okay. there was a lot of uh, there were a lot of failed pregnancies and um, kids who came out and didn't make it oh, and my. that kind of thing. So I didn't even understand that my mother was pregnant when my sister came along. I just thought that that was the shape that my mother was, oh. and I went over to Cindy Garrison's for a sleepover, and I came home and there was a baby, and I was like, "Oh hell no." <laughs> And, like, nobody prepped me for it. Nobody, like, told me a baby was coming because they didn't know if she was going to make it because there was so much. There been a history there. Yeah. And so I just, and I remember, like, I remember being very small and someone at church being like, are you excited to be a big sister? And I was like, bitch, what? I was like, no, you're going to be a big sister. I'm not going to be. Like, it was an adult who said it to me. And I was like, my mom's not pregnant. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, she is. And I was like, your mom's pregnant. Like, I didn't even know. What to, I was so pissed that somebody would even say that about my mom. Uh, I just didn't know she was coming. So Yeah. But you, you've, you've since he- healed the Yeah, we get along the now. The rift with the sister. And... But it was really, it fucked the flow of my one-woman shows up a lot. <laughs> like, Oh, we certainly don't want that to happen. No, but the videos are pretty funny. Like, You mean one-woman shows you were doing then as a teenager? No, as a, as a, as a t- I, was, I started doing one-woman shows when I was three. Oh, you got to start early yeah. to get the press and attention. The video is hilarious. It's me doing, I would do all the characters of, uh, I think they're, this, one I did for like a long time was Snow White. Oh yeah. And then my Nora, my sister, would come in in her walker, 
And I would just kick her out of the frame, <laughs> like furiously, like, get her out of here, mom. Like, <laughs> Was she the evil witch in this scenario? No, she wasn't in the show. She shouldn't have been in there at all. She shouldn't be on the stage. Yeah. And my mom, my mom was just laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Nora. Oh, Nora. But now she's doing okay? Yeah, she's great. She, she just started she... a nonprofit called Simple Supplies for Children in Thailand. She was a teacher there. Uh, That's wonderful. Yeah, she's great. Nora's great. She's a good person. Mean energy made her stronger. She needed it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, uh, you know, again, I don't want to make too much of what we do have in common or not, but we're also, we have a a complexion that is similar. Mm -hmm. Probably we're from the Northern Isles. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you get into genealogy and all that, but we were probably neighbors. Probably. Probably. Most likely. Going back. Yeah. We just did Ancestry.com with my parents. Yeah. Um, So I'm excited to see kind of what happens there. Uh, I know there's like some German and some Irish. It's mostly Irish. There we go. There's there's Scottish. It's all the whites. It's all like the creamy creams that I have sun poisoning now because of. Exactly. I'm like the pugs of white people. I had to put cream on my ears. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. I was so white growing up that white people called me white girl. That was my nickname. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with other white people. They were like, poof, white girl. Like, I would go to the beach and you'd be like, oh my God, my Oh yeah, eyes. I was see-through. Yeah, my legs yeah. are still... You can see all the veins in there. Like the... I think because... Like, I just don't go to the beach. I don't fuck with it. Um, Is it a place that you enjoy going? I do, but like, not a lot. Yeah. And when I go, like, that's when I get my legs out and people are like, oh my God, what? And yeah. like, I know my arms are like very tan compared to the rest of my body. Yeah, you, you seem to me uh, much tanner than I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so imagine my delight. Uh, well, that's. I'd like to see what happens with the Ancestry.com. Maybe we can I'm... post an update and see how many uh, uh, Seavers and Austins cross over because probably there was a bit of that. Hello, Seamus, you know, just across the stone fence or well, something. Well, my middle name's O'Donnell. O'Donnell, yeah. yeah. So it's, I mean, it's in there. Um, we found out this, we, it's so interesting. My parents really never talk about that stuff. And we found out that, uh, our lineage didn't, wasn't here, um, until after the civil war. Huh. And, uh, the, the German people came over before world war two. And we were like, my sister and I were like, no slavery, no, no Nazis. We were like. We are. Wow. What kind, how lucky are you as a white person to have that clean pretty slate? Good. You know That's what I mean? Good. We were like, oh, like just like, and if you're Irish, like nobody was fucking with you. You know what I mean? So like you didn't, you couldn't do anything wrong if you were Irish. You were the lowest form of white person. Right. Which is honestly, as a white person, what you want to be. <laughs> At this point, yes. At this point, yes. Yes. Yeah. Because you're just like, whew, nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's. That's cool. Congratulations. Thank on you that. so much. It's I, I I feel I don't know for certain my my whole deal. I I know some of it was probably not so good. Some of the early colonists and that kind of thing. Sure, yeah. Mm, that nope. was not a fun group. Wasn't here. But a, a lot of my uh, a lot of my <laughs> folks were uh, uh, Quakers. Yeah, they uh, can't be that Quakers. Bad. Quakers. Quakers didn't do anything. That's fine. Yeah, they're okay. Just churning butter. Just churning butter and such delicious. But that is your water, too, if you'd like it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. If you need some, that's it. And I just want to go back to one thing that you said because it stuck out for me. Uh, You were talking about the energy and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, we were talking about it in the context of ghosts and this kind of thing. Energy doesn't necessarily mean uh, negative or weird or creepy energy. Mm -hmm. It's it's just that there's positive energy and you can make weird connections and things. Too. I'm always fascinated when that happens. For instance, you keep seeing the same person over and over again yeah. or something like that. Maybe you have some affinity or not. I don't know. But uh, uh, it happened for me just the other day. I was in Denver, 24 hours or something, and I picked a restaurant quite by random because it had the two words like beef and bodice or whatever, you know, these fork and spoon. <laughs> it's always this and that. And I picked it by that and the good reviews and the, the waiter comes by and he looks at me in the mirror. And I think, well, that guy looks awfully familiar. And I knew who it was, but I wanted to wait just for confirmation because sometimes I, I don't trust myself. And it turns out here's this fella uh, who's a waiter who I had known from a, a brief stint in Minneapolis. 
quite by accident. How did that happen that I would end up in Denver and be at that restaurant at that time when he's working? That's what I mean. Yeah. Well, I think uh, the other thing is like personal energy. So I think I noticed a big shift in my, my personal energy in the past year. And it's interesting, like the people who kind of fell away and who stayed. Mm -hmm. And then I attracted a new group of people who I have to say, huge improvement. Uh, (laughs) Quality individuals. Really like um, caring, um, inspiring people. Yeah. Uh, And it was almost, I just, it was like I was a magnet for them. It, because I was open to it, right. and it was really like, and I just, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And I notice that if my, if I'm having a hard time, or I'm in a bad mood, or I am upset about something, the things I attract are of that nature. Right. So I, I was very cranky on Saturday because <laughs> the heat in my building had been off for a week. Oh. And I went crazy. I called 311. I called the emergency number. Like I went off (laughs) and I was walking down the street and I was on my way to Connecticut to visit my grandmother. And this guy walked by me and this happens to me every time I am furious. And he went out of his way to hit me with his bag. Uh. And I was like, oh yeah, calm down, Molly. Like (laughs) I, I noticed that Things like that happen when I'm in that state. Yes, your um, negative energy attracts the other negative. Yeah, energy. I just think that I think that all of us have old energy um, and new energy that we haven't experienced, but it does it attracts things, and it it's it's so it's precious. I think um, our energy. Yeah. Because it stays and it's important and, and it affects other people. And do you have a way of manifesting the positive or staying with that? I started meditating last January so a year ago yeah uh, just about and is that a daily practice weekly practice what is it I try to make it daily yeah um I try to make it daily I don't all the time I notice that when I don't keep it up things fall apart Mm -hmm. I think I'm not a naturally optimistic uh outgoing person um I have to work at my energy, like yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm not like predisposed. I'm like a like that creepy kid in the woods, is <laughs> who I am. Yeah. Like that's my, that's that's a baseline for me. Uh-huh. Um, that's na- naturally very dark person, but I I really do go out of my way to to do something every day. If it's not meditation, it's like telling, it's like. I go out of my way to be kind. I go out of my way to make other people feel good about themselves because if I don't, uh, I, I, I suffer. Yeah. And I think that it's in, I don't know. It's just like, it's, it's about making other people feel good. I think, I think that's why I do comedy too. Like I love watching other people laugh is just like, you haven't mentioned that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I am a, a terrific stand up comedian, and that's and I, we would get to it. Don't oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, but, sorry. Uh, yeah, that's a, a powerful uh, reason to do that to stand up there and to to um, as you said, make people laugh and yeah. uh, bring up the energy in the room. Yeah, I mean, if you can do, the, I think I do it for other people, and I think if that is my intention, then that is the energy I put out. I that is also the energy I get back. Does the energy have a color? Yeah, all energy yeah. has a color. I, we are on the same page on this, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to talk too much about it because I feel a little superstitious about it myself. Uh, can, uh, talking about my own rituals around it. Oh. But uh, I, I definitely connect to that, and there is a moment... Uh, uh, almost like casting a protection spell. I feel like I'm getting really in the weeds with you here a little bit, Ma. No, but, I'll uh, go. I, uh, Let's go. I, I, I sometimes, <laughs> if I'm worried about something, family, that kind of thing, house, uh, myself, I will take a moment and center myself and, and focus on that energy mm-hmm. and uh, and have a very uh, physical thing and then uh, cast. It's a, it feels kind of ridiculous to, to do it, but I do it. And uh, I believe in it, that it uh, is some kind of, there's a little bit of, as we say, magic to it. Absolutely. My color, I have, my color is gold and purple. Interesting. Yeah. But gold is the color, like purple is the, 
is kind of the whimsy. Yeah. And then gold is the is the center, is the is the is the place that I, I like to breathe from. Yeah. And like to breathe out is the gold. Um but that is and that's like I kind of those colors I see in people are the colors I see in people that I'm attracted to. I see. Mine's blue. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Mostly but, around protection is blue. Mm. Protection, good 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 luck, good things. It's it's that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, there we are. I've never talked about it before, but the, here's another thing that I haven't articulated before, truthfully, on this program. And I know that you've—and we don't—we do not need to dwell in this, but I want to acknowledge it in the spirit of what we're talking about, uh, uh, loss. And, and if for the long-time listener of this program, they would maybe not even be aware—maybe they would, I don't know. But this program has always been—it's about characters and comedy and having a good time, but it's also been about loss. There's an undercurrent, whether that's my divorce and getting through that, or uh, really it's uh, about 20 years ago. That's why I want to mark it. In a couple of weeks, it'll mark the 20th anniversary of losing somebody close to me. And uh, it that thing that happened, I know you've experienced something similar, uh, has informed everything that I've done. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I will still have dreams of this person being alive but not whole. And so I have to then experience their passing again. I am aware in the dream that I will then have to go through this again. Yeah. And that allows me to be more fully present now and accept that time has passed and that I'm a, I'm changed. My hair's a little wilder. Uh, and uh, I'm going forward. But I wondered for you how if there's a similar way of which loss continues to inform you in a positive way. Sure. Um, I remember I lost uh, two people very, very important to me, uh, very close together. Um, and kind of around the same time uh, as 9-11. It was the span of... That's a tough go of it then for you. Yeah, it was the span of like uh, three years, three, four years. Um, And it was... And my father commuted into the trade towers every day. Oh. And he would always get to work around the time that the first plane hit. Yeah. And um, he was missing for a few hours. Uh, Nobody had heard from him because... There was no communication. No way to get to, and yeah. There was like a lot of fear there. And then uh, my family was very close with another family growing up, and they kind of co-raised us. So I had two sets of parents, and it was wonderful. And um, the father, the guy who kind of raised me, and and I was his favorite, and uh, he was my favorite because you got to choose when you have four parents who your sure, favorite is. Sure, absolutely. Uh, he... He passed away very suddenly. He he dropped dead from a brain aneurysm. Oh, yeah. And um, then my boyfriend died. Uh, he fell down the stairs and he hit his head and he died. And they both come and, and it, that 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 storm paralyzed me for a long time. Yeah. Like emotionally, I think um, mentally, I think in my career, it paralyzed me. And I wasn't like really even set free from it until recently, until they really, and I I don't know if it's my mind or it's them or whatever, but they really all came back to me. Uh-huh. Um, and even, even like, I was always very afraid of losing my father too, because of, of these things. And because I, there was that moment in time where I didn't know where he was. Right. Uh, and it kind of all like released itself for me after, um, I had a car accident last year and I was tortured again by these three things like nonstop, um, in my concussion and in my injury because the mind plays tricks on you. Tortured by seeing images or having to deal with it or it just was was bringing back the feelings. It was the feeling. It was the fear. It was like the... It was the anticipation. It was knowing it was coming, but it had already happened. Yeah. And I knew I wasn't in that time, but I was feeling it like it was fresh every day. Yeah. Um, and then they started coming back to me in my dreams, like you were saying. Um, of, And it was, it was now, and I was like this, and I'm closer in age to the father now, and I'm farther away from my boyfriend, and it's... It made it, it kind of like put it in a real place. Yeah. And they would tell me in these dreams how they saw me. And it was, 
I think like the most important thing you can do for another person is let them know how you see them through your eyes. Um, because what's going on inside is not always that for the person. Sure. Um, and it's, it's a gift. It's a real gift you can give someone. And it was like, they gave me that, whether it was them or I don't know, but they gave, they kept giving me that gift. Um, and it, it's part of like what helped me kind of out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, I think loss can be, can decimate you, but it could also, but the things that grow from total annihilation right. are are sometimes better than the Pretty things great. that were there before. Right. Um, and it takes a long time to rebuild. And I think that like with loss, you have to be so patient. You have to be just so patient. And yeah. that's the thing that I think I always was trying to like get, like I was always trying to like ignore, you know, mm -hmm. instead of really feeling or like shut it down or I would drink or I would get high or I would like, get involved with somebody who is very dramatic and it, it distracts you. Right. Takes a lot of that energy away. Yeah. And then and you can try and fix it. Right. Yeah. But it was, I had to really sit in it and it really like all came back to me and yeah. I am so grateful for being able to listen and being able to like have them come back and do that. And now uh, physically uh, you're doing okay. Yeah. From the accident and all that. Yeah. I had back yeah. surgery in December. Um, I still wear a very cool Back brace. <laughs> awesome. Yep. yep. Uh, it sounds real good. You can hear the Velcro. Uh, it's, you can probably hear it. Oh. It's, yep. <laughs> there it, there is. it is. There it is. Uh, A wonderful invention. Yeah. Velcro. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm doing great. I am. I was only, I mean, the pain is just so much better. Yeah. I mean, I still, I get tired at night and, uh, I don't get out as as much as I was, but I mean, I'm getting out more. I get stronger all the time. I'm getting better all the time. It's yeah. like a, it's just, it's again, it's like patience. It's just time. Um, but the surgery was like, <sighs> modern medicine is my number one bitch, man. Like that is my like ride or die EVE number one girl. I love modern medicine. <laughs> like really it changed my life. Like I, it like even 10 years ago, back surgery was not where like having that back surgery 10 years ago, you're in bed for two months. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I was in an outpatient place and I had uh supervision 24 hours a day for four days and then I was out. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. And like, I couldn't fly and I like was whew, real high on yeah. painkillers. Yeah. And I watched uh, the Jessica Jones series twice. It's great though, isn't it? <laughs> it's so good. I loved it's so it. so good. Yeah. Oh my God, her boyfriend's so hot. I wish she hadn't <laughs> murdered his wife. Um, but uh, it was, it's it's amazing. It's yeah. incredible. And like, yeah, I have to like take naps sometimes, but who cares? You know? No, sure. Like comparatively. Well, I like, do. I start to nod off at four. Sometimes I think about Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman and I'm like, if I was Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman and this happened, yeah. like... You'd be in the yard graveyard. Yeah. Or yeah. I'd just be like in the bedroom, like, somebody bring me some... Like, they would have put me out on the lake. Right. They would have put me out on the thin water. ice. Yeah. Of, you might have to go to uh, Arizona. Well, I'm going to New Orleans in April, actually, for the month. It's totally different. Well, no, it's my happy place. <laughs> oh, and okay. I love it there. Oh, New Orleans is great. But, That's like, the, 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 the heat greets. really makes such a difference for my it back. Helps. yeah. So... Even that uh, wet heat? <laughs> I think definitely. so. Yeah, must be. Yeah, I mean, like, even, like, the few, like, I, I, I spend a lot of time in, like, a sauna and, like, uh, a steam room because it's, like, it just relieves it me. Yeah. So I think, um, and that's really, like, I need a break from the cold and I need to just be, like, hot for a little while yeah. because I, it makes such a difference for you me. You rent a house down there? Um, my my best friend grew up there, and oh, okay. her mother has a house there. So I'm going to stay with her for a little bit. I might get a place for a little bit. Um, but she has, like, a, a home. That's wonderful. Yeah. It's, that place I love has it really grown, grown on me. I love it there. Yeah, I go I like every it. year. Oh. Yeah, I love New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, this past year was the first year I didn't go um, in eight years because... Oh. 
I, I wasn't flying. You right. know what I kept doing though? I kept booking tickets to go there and having to cancel them <laughs> oh, because like I was just like being crazy. That's a sort of torture to yourself then. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I gotta go to New Orleans. I just have to get to New Orleans. And I'm like, I'm going. I'm just going. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, tell me about this too, uh, a cowabunga munga. How did you know about Cowabunga Munga? You talk about overcoming fear and moving through things, correct? When did I talk about that? <laughs> but see, I had a similar experience. <laughs> Cowabunga Munga is what a sl- water slide. It's a water slide from when I went to Disney World when I was a little girl. Disney World, all right. And uh, and I I remember my my father and I. My father is like so ad- adventurous, and he's so. I love, like, his spirit is just, like, exciting. He makes everything fun. Yeah. And we, and, like, I'm his, I'm his number one, like, well, I'll do whatever, you know? Like, we'll both do whatever. And it's, like, a great, it's a great way to spend time with a person. And I remember being small, and there was a ride in Disney World called Cowabunga Manga. And we, it was a, it's a water slide, but it's, it's just, it's basically like a drop. Yeah. So, I got to the top. Of Cowabunga Manga, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I couldn't go down. Yeah. And my father had to like walk. We had to because it's a big hike up these stairs, and we had to walk all the way down. And I hated. <laughs> I hated that I didn't do it so much. I started crying. Yeah. And I couldn't stop crying, and I was like, I have to do it. I have to go. I have to go down that side. And he. <laughs> He's like, all right. <laughs> he walked me Go back. all the way back up, and we did it. And that's really how I've always felt about fear. Like, if I'm afraid of something, I need to do it. Like, there's nothing about me that can be afraid. Um, and it and it doesn't matter if it takes me how many how many times it takes me. I'm gonna get over it. Um, and not to say that I'm never afraid. I'm afraid all the time. Oh my yeah. God! Hello, nine one one. It's me, Molly again. Um, but I, I won't, I won't let it exist. Uh huh. Or if it does exist, I'll just, I'll keep going up you the work stairs. At it. Yeah. Yeah. Until I can go down the slide. Here's here's where we're different. Sesame Place. Mm. You're familiar with this thing, of course. Uh, in Pennsylvania, a little bit. And uh, I went up there. In early days of its existence, I guess, and they had a, a, a t- one of these water slides, big one, the tubes, right? Yeah. You have to sit there with your arms crossed oh, like yeah. you're in the coffin. William and I used to go all the time. William's my father. We used to go all the time. So we, they had a big one there. I don't know how when they put this in, the water part part of it, but they had to compete with Dorney Park or something. Mm-hmm. So I go up the stairs, all these stairs you're talking about, and, and I mean with 30, 40 minutes of waiting. And I get, it's my turn. And I look at the thing and I say, no way. And I do what you did. I went down the stairs, down the stairs. I didn't go back up. You didn't go back up. That was a wrap. <laughs> you were done with it. I, and then I became defiant in not going. Mm. I became upset like you did. The same thing like, oh, why yeah. didn't I go and do I should have just conquered that. And many years later, I went on a similar kind of thing and I felt good about it. Now I don't have any qualms about it. It would be fine. But I have that thing in me where it's like, well, I'm just not going to do it. And then that becomes the thing that I do. For instance, mm-hmm. if you're over at this Broadway Lafayette station, mm-hmm. sometimes the F comes through at rush hour. It's very crowded. I'll wait for the next one. Mm-hmm. The next one comes through. is very crowded. I'll wait. I've waited maybe five or six trains where I start to get to the point where, like, maybe I'll never move. Maybe I live <laughs> here now. And this is my existence. What if I never get on the train? Yeah. In the sense, and then I'm like, I'm never going to get on that. You know, I have this thought of, well, gosh, I'm just going to do this. And I'm, I'm above it, and I'm not going to get on there. And I get a little thrill when people have to walk past me to get on the train. Mm. And I think, I'm not, I'm not that sucker. But then it comes back to the thing we were talking about earlier, because then I'll get on that seventh train, and it'll be like a former intern or somebody I went to high school with will be on that train. Yeah. So it all comes back to that same darn energy question and here we are all getting together and waiting for exactly the right moment to yeah. reconnect and all that. anyhow i'll i'll do that i'll wait a train out but i'll only wait for one 
and then I'm getting on the train. Oh, Hell or high water. <laughs> been down there for like an hour. Anyway, so uh, from fear, anxiety, and all that to fashion, let's talk about that because you were you got in. How did you get into fashion? I'm a bit of you know. People look to me for fashion. Yeah. By the young people, they send me lots of letters and things. And I mean, I got sometimes the clothes just fit, don't they? And that's how I got to be a Sears catalog model for a while Ooh. because the overalls fit. And I was the you know face of Oshkosh, but gosh. But um, did you want to be a designer? Yes, what? I yes. did. I, I got into fashion at a pretty young age. When I was in high school, uh, my friend's, my best friend's older sister was a stylist. And she um, she went, she got a job being Britney Spears' uh, stylist. And how did you just get to that? That seems like you go right to the top if you're doing that. Well, she's nine years older than me, so okay, she was so she was doing it. Yeah, okay. yeah. So she, after she'd been working for a while, she went to FIT. She did, and she was like the coolest person. I went, I remember I like went to her graduation, and I thought it was so cool. Um, and probably she, was pretty cool. It was, yeah. it was, and she, uh, very quick, like when you, whenever you hit a big job like that, I think that's when all the other jobs want you to. That's yeah. been my experience, even with comedy, is when as soon as you get something, everybody wants to work with you. And it's like, yeah, here and, you are. And here we are. <laughs> and um, she, she all of a sudden had more than she could take. Um, and she had a partner, and she had a partner at the time. So she would, Nobody's gonna work for you like a like a girl in high school who thinks you're like the coolest. Yeah. So she um, brought me in. She would bring me in as her assistant on jobs, and I was styling Maxim shoots when I was 16 years old. Uh, and uh, I was, was going that okay for you at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I was doing. Um, I did like Maxim shoots. I did. Uh, like all of those skeezy magazines I did. I would go to Bungalow 8 when I was 17 and I mm-hmm. would be drinking with uh, Britney Spears and Puff Daddy. And I was... I was doing my favorites. And I remember being like, what the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> but thinking it was like so cool. I thought it was so cool. Yeah, and yeah. that was such a cool world. And then the kind of natural progression was, I was like, well, that's, I guess, what I, I should do. Um, and all the while people were like, you should be a comedian. And I was like, that's not a thing (laughs) that you make money at. Like, that's not like a, and I'm already And you were right. (laughs) Yeah. Was I? Uh, and I, and I, and I went and I, I went to school in California. I went to FIDM. I, I worked for designers. I started designing. I moved back here after college. Uh, got a great job as uh i was the in charge of the production for not the production but like the sourcing of the i was in charge of the fabrics and i did some design and for a company a startup company and i just it got to the point where like i just i wanted to do comedy so badly and i i started taking improv classes mm-hmm. and i did that and i was so good at it <laughs> <laughs> and i was on a house team very quickly at the People's Improv Theater, and then I was like, I really want to do stand-up, and I'm being a pussy. Like, I don't like to say the word pussy as a form of negative. The vagina's a great place. Uh, I'm being a coward. <laughs> and I was being a real a real peasant coward. And I... Um, a peasant coward? That's yeah, pretty low. I know. <laughs> so my father calls him, and he's mad at me. Come on! My sister and I, come on, peasants! <laughs> or like wenches. Uh... So I I started doing improv and then pretty quickly I I was on a house team for a year and mm-hmm. then I decided to not do that anymore and then I moved into stand up. Uh-huh. And uh, uh who was your kind of comedy clash then? Who's who you feel like is the people you were coming up with and still coming up with, I guess. Sure. Uh I was on a house team with Michelle Wolf. She's a no. very successful comedian. Um Christopher Birdie, David Dute. Uh, not David Duke. Those are two Thank different goodness. people. Yeah, yeah, very different people. Um, I had a very awkward exchange with Michelle Wolf at a, a bar in San Francisco. I imagine. Yeah. How'd it go? Not good. <laughs> I, I did not end up on the good side of that. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known what Empire was. Uh, oh, yeah. It was early. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Michelle is a is a is a a wolf. And I think her name is very suiting yeah, for her. Yeah. 
Um, Jermaine Fowler is one of my first friends. It's uh, a lot of successful people. Yeah. Um, and it seems like to me that you also are somebody who kind of moves through the various different uh, circles. Well, I, I mean, there's like Creek in the Cave. Oh, yeah. And there's The Pit. Yeah. And UCB. And mm-hmm. to me, there's also Ars Nova and uh, some other things that are yeah. maybe outlier or d- just a different kind of stay anywhere for too long. Yeah. Well, but I think being a stand-up helps you also move move through that difference. Yeah. I mean, but there's like definitely stand-up circles as well. And I don't know that you could really put me in, in a group of people. Yeah. But to your credit, I think that's, that's I, good. Yeah. And it's kind of who I've always been. Like I have my friends and I... But I, I have always not, and I, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but I, I am kind of like an outsider, and I'm happy that way. Yeah. Like, that's not, that I show up to a show, and I sit alone because I like it. Like, I don't want to talk all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you, I, but you also met Shamika? Oh, my gosh. Shamika Christina Martinez is my life partner. So how would you meet in that little weird space of Caroline's in the kitchen? No. Where do comics meet is what I want to know. So Shamika is not a stand-up. She's an improviser and a producer and a very good actress. And um, she is – at the time, she was producing a – a sketch series and I was on a show at Gotham Comedy Club and she saw me perform and loved my set because I'm so funny, so charming. Uh, And she messaged me on Facebook and said, hey, I really liked your set. I am doing this thing. Would you like to grab a bite and um, discuss it? And I said, sure. And we had a bite and we Got along immediately. Yeah. Like, um, it was very fast, and we ended up, it turned out we were both, we lived a block and a half away from each other. We were both dating Jewish guys. I'm we were, I was like, <laughs> oh, we're shiksas together? Yeah. Uh, we, we just, it was, it was very, like, easy. Yeah. It was an easy mix. Um, and she kind of saw what I was doing, and she wanted to start a YouTube channel. And I was like, what's YouTube for? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, and she was working at YouTube at the time uh, for Next New Network, uh, which had since been absorbed yeah. by YouTube. Okay, yeah. Um, they do, like, barely political, and they do... Um, I'm drawing a blank. doesn't matter. Anyway. Uh, other YouTube stuff. Other YouTube stuff. And she, um, so she had access to all these cameras and equipment and kind of took, she wanted to do a fashion parody channel. And I had been working in fashion. And at the time I was already writing and working with Alice and Olivia, my a friend. Of, and it was still like a small company at the time too. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, small compared to what it is now. It's a huge company. Um, and we just kind of got together and came up with this idea of of a parody fashion channel. And then people started to take it seriously. And, we, and then that was very confusing for both of us. <laughs> well, you just did something with what? Dolce & Gabbana? We did something with Dolce & Gabbana, but we did it... Uh, so after my... So we also had done music videos on the channel. Right. We did hauls and music videos, and we did uh, a series where we got letters in from viewers, and we solved their life problems with fashion. Yes. We were joking. Yeah. Uh, and the kind of stuff it, it created for us was we realized the world we had created uh, was not being seen as comedy. It was being seen as fashion. The meetings we were getting were with reality TV networks, and they wanted us on multiple occasions to do a reality TV show. Yeah. Uh, and we both agreed that, no, that is not what we want to do. Um, because we can't. We just can't. As artists, we can't. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we kind of adjusted what we were doing, and we did a series called What You Missed While You Were Tripping, which is like current events with pop culture. And then after my car accident, it was so limited. And we kind of got together. I remember she came over one day, and I was like, what are we going to do? Like, I can't do anything. (laughs) I had a brain injury. Yeah. Like, light was an issue. Yeah, right. (laughs) So 
uh, she came over and I was like, I just, I have only a few good hours a day. Um, and I, I, I only want to do things I love. And what are we, what are we doing? What do we love to do? And we love to make music videos. Like that's what we love to do. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's fun for us. It's easy. We enjoy it. It's creatively what we like to do. Um, and we were like, okay, then that's what we'll do. And because we had written an album, we had written a live show all under this. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And we released the first one and it kind of didn't do well as far as internet numbers go. Um, I know about that. <laughs> <laughs> like it's still today only has 9,000 views. Yeah, but I, I wish for nine thousand views, but <laughs> the people who saw it were the right people. Like, um, it was True TV. We got a meeting with, and they were like, "We want this for us, Dolce and Gabbana. We want this for us." And all of a sudden, it was like we were creating, and that, I think it goes back to energy. We were creating from a place of there was no. There, we didn't feel like we had to do it, had yeah. to do it. We wanted to, and we were excited to, and it was fun. And it was like a, a combination of our energy in a way where we were just expressing ourselves. And it, what was born from it was really, it, it, we, we've just gotten more since that happened. Yeah. And a guy also helped us, pushed us along we did a we did a gig with Superfly, um, where we hosted a music festival for their live stream. Oh yes, yeah. And the director was like, "You know what? I really he's like your music videos are so good. <laughs> he's like, why aren't you doing more of those? And everybody was saying that, and we were feeling it, and yeah. we were just like, you know what, Frank, you're right. <laughs> Frank was right. Frank and Howie are the best. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of golden purple energy coming out. From oh that. my gosh, yeah. Frank and Howie is nothing but. Well, uh, uh, because we're we're running a little bit. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, short on the amount of time that we have left. What the True TV thing is going to happen? Thursday. Uh, Thursday. Yeah. T t tomorrow. Today's Wednesday, so yes. So Thursday, <laughs> yeah. yes. Uh, this will be released then on the day that it comes out. That's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Thursday, March third. At 11 o'clock on True TV. It's on called True Late TV. Night Snack with Rachel Drash. Uh, Alex, Alec Baldwin is in it. Um, a lot of other comedians are in it, too. And you're, uh, you're a, a, a host of it? You're the, you're the, you're We're doing, the music. You do the music videos of this show. We're the music and the music. Oh, that's wonderful. Isn't that exciting? That is great. The first single that's coming out is called um, Pretend to be Sleeping. Pretend to be Sleeping. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm very excited about that'll it. Be, that'll be out Thursday the 3rd as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. it comes out on the show, and then I guess True is... We could get it somehow? I think if you watch True TV... and I then I And then I, I think... I think... <laughs> I think they have, like, a YouTube channel that they'll probably put it out on yeah. as well. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for you, and I'm excited to talk to you at this moment before everything... Uh, well, before this next thing launches and gets going for you. It's tremendously exciting. Oh, I hope so. And you're still going to be doing stand-up all over the city. Oh, my God. You know, I really I love doing stand-up, so I hope that I get... That's my dream, is to have a show with Shamika and, do, and travel doing stand-up. Like, that's my dream. Sounds great. From Thank the graveyard you. to the stage. <laughs> fantastic and uh, I, I appreciate you coming in Molly this has been delightful thank you so much thank for you. having me continued success <laughs> that's the name of my album <laughs> oh Molly Austin folks what a gal huh how about that conversation we went to some unusual places some places I've never been before and uh, I, I learned a lot learned a lot about myself and uh, that's with no edibles at all. So, uh, terrific. Uh, thank you to Molly. And uh, if you want to see uh, the, the music video bits, they're on there. March 3rd on True TV. Look it up. Dial it up. Set it to record. Watch it on an app. See what you can do. The program's called Rachel Dratch's Late Night Snack. Uh, I think it's given an official title. And it's a lot of short comedy. Uh, on True TV. Uh, excuse me while I pair the podcast with a little mint tea tonight. It's late. 
and truly I've had to cut back on the drinking. So uh, that's uh, serving me well here. Uh, yes, look up True TV. Everybody's got a show on that pro or that channel. Is a channel. A lot of people on there. That's one. That's great. A lot of uh, why I bring it up because a lot of friends of this show have have been on there. Brooke Van Poplin's on there. Adam Conover, um, others, just doing great. It's terrific. I hope you'll join us for the next Wonderful Wonderful on Sunday, April 10th at 9.30 in the world-famous New York City landmark Joe's Pub. I'm very excited to be bringing you an all-new tribute to Lawrence Welk and a salute to spring. Please get tickets. They're about 20 bucks. Not about. They're actually 20 bucks. Uh, bring a friend. we got a lineup of all-stars. Here's gonna, who's going to be on the show. If you're tuned in to what's happening, these, uh, these are the all-stars. This is fantastic. Molly Pope. Salty Brine. Leslie Goshko, Andrew and Ashley from Moondrunk, Shockwave, The Trumpet Boys, Eric Biondo. Right? That's what I'm saying. Carol Mendez, an artist, doing some uh, choreography. Choreography, you say? Yeah, we got it. Checkdaleradio.com or the Joe's Pub website for ticket information. It will be a spectacular evening, I guarantee. Now, next time... Uh, not next time, but till next time is how we sign off. I'll be constructing a series of couture headgear made of empty whiskey bottles and feathers for my new fall 2017 collection. Now let's get back to that great music that we all enjoy. Dale Radio is produced and performed by James Bewley, musical director Steve O'Reilly. Season 8 theme song by Chris Shockwave Sullivan. Season 8 podcast icon by Jenny Fine. For more on Dale, visit DaleRadio.com and be sure to subscribe, rate, review us on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and any other digital platform. We're out there, so you'll be out there. Thanks for listening. You're the best. <laughs>